Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Probably a good time for you to find your seats. Um, I want to issue a little apology this morning. I I got a little busy with some things this week, and I forgot to send my uh, uh, handout to Brian to print for me. So there was no handout this morning. I'm sorry about that. Um, hopefully you can follow along without the handout and be able to um, stay in tune with what we're talking about. Um, <clears throat> A handout is helpful because I, I try to print off the verses that I'm talking about when we when we talk about fear and, and how to deal with it. And so uh, hopefully you can write those down. But I will try to print it off before next week so that you can maybe review those on your own if you would like to. Um, God's work speaks better than I can. So that's why I, I spend so much time in God's word with this. <clears throat> why don't we open with prayer as we start to think about what God has for us this morning. Our God, we thank you that um, you don't leave us alone with our fears, but you give us something to do with them. And thank you for the peace that you give us in the gospel. And thank you for um, prayer that we can turn our fears and worries to you. Bless our time now. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we've been talking about fear, um, we haven't covered all the possibilities that there are that, that relate to fear. Um, I think you can sort of just fill in the blanks with what you know about the things that you fear and the things that you deal with. And I, I hope you will see some common answers that you can use to address those fears that you can, that can help you as you go through the, the trials and the difficulties of life. Um, <clears throat> so there's a common answer to, to our fears. Um, we hear God telling us not to fear. But he always gives us reasons through his word about how to conquer fear. We are to trust him. We, we ended last week with the question, how would you feel about losing everything? And I don't know about you, but that was uncomfortable. Um, it's easy for us in our comfortable perspectives to think that we would be able to handle uh, that. But how can we find peace through it? How can we say... If I lose everything, I would still have what, right? So um, it's important to understand that um, it's important to understand who God is because he gives us reasons to be at peace in every situation. Well, how does he do that? God reveals more and more of himself to us. There are ways he does that. It starts when we call out to God in our fears and sorrows and seek answers from his word. God acts to answer our prayers. Those answers are not always in the affirmative. He doesn't always say, okay, I'll just give you exactly what you want. He knows better and he gives us what we need. Now, sometimes we suffer uh, through severe trials and, and, and um, things that really test our faith. Um, but when he answers us, <clears throat> he reveals that he is good and that he's always, he always speaks the truth to us. We can kind, find comfort and peace and hope in that. So he speaks to us in the cross. The cross of Christ proves his love and faithfulness. Remember last week we said, if God demonstrated his love so sacrificially at the cross, how could we think that God would leave us on our own to cope with the difficulties of this life? 
we need to see God as incomparable. We experience that incomparableness as we bring our fears and worries to him. He reminds us again and again uh, to not be afraid. And it's going to begin to sound like the same tune that we've been hearing. Um, There's not much we can add that will be new to that tune, really. What we saw in the giving of the manna is true for everything else we, uh, we fear. God has a purpose for the trial. He wants us to trust him and have a relationship with him. God repeats himself in scripture to emphasize the truth of what is being said. Important days of history um, re- were reenacted yearly to dramatize the importance of what was being um, repeated when Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, or when the angels tell us of God as he fills the temple, holy, 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 this is not like trying to teach your teenagers the value of cleaning their room or neatness and work ethic by cleaning their room. Uh, it is the thought of, uh, it's to be thought of as saying, I love you. God's repetition of this phrase, do not be afraid, has a reason which is often stated with, I will be with you. That's a promise from our loving God. It's a phrase that will become like a motto for, or a memorable saying that we will repeat um, uh, some of the most, that will precede most of the significant events of biblical history. <clears throat> Take for example, when Isaac was struggling to find a place to pasture his herds and feed his family, God spoke to him, he said, in Genesis twenty six twenty four. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you. That's kind of an interesting little phrase that goes together so often. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. <clears throat> I think about Moses when he had to lead a rebellious people and represent them to an angry God and lead them through an inhospitable wilderness, God spoke to him in Exodus 33, 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom, whom you will send with me. Yet you said, I, have, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people in the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have said, that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. For Moses and the people of Israel, the only cure for fear was God's presence. At the end of his life, he was able to offer the same comfort he had received to the people. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who gives, who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And that's repeated several times in that passage in Deuteronomy. Be strong and courageous. The psalmist knew that God would 
uh, be present for his fearful people. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Very familiar words for us, and good, good to repeat when we fear. Um, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Psalm 118, 6 and 7. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I look in triumph on those who hate me. Isaiah 49, 14 and 15. I, I, I'm just, you know, I'm reading these verses, but would you like me to wait for you to, to find them in your Bible so you can follow along? Yes. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll go a little slower with that so you can do that. Isaiah 49, 14 and 15. <clears throat> But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. So he takes the the closest of human relationships and says that God's faithfulness and presence is even more certain. Here's another amazing verse. Turn to Haggai. Two, four, and five. <clears throat> Haggai two, four, and five. And he says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. That's an amazing passage. Um, They were really really oppressed by the people around them. And they they had to be reminded that they needn't fear that situation. Uh, as dangerous as it looked for them, they could trust that God was with them, that he would be in their midst. <clears throat> um, the Apostle Paul echoes what Haggai said in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 4 of, of Philippians. If you'd like to turn there, Philippians 4, verse 5. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We are blessed with a close relationship with Jesus Christ. As Paul said, the Lord is at hand. He's right there with us all the time. And so he's well aware of the things we're going through and struggling with. And we can have confidence then that we need to lay those before him with prayer and supplication, and he will answer our prayers. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. We'll start at verse 20. Um, there's, a, there's a great promise there that Jesus gives us. <clears throat> I do not ask for these only, <clears throat> but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, and 
are, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. In them, I, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me <clears throat> and love them even as you loved me. Father, <clears throat> excuse me, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory so that you have given the glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Without his presence, we cannot be like him. And that's, that's our goal is to be um, Christ-like in our lives. And it's essential for our ability to overcome fear as well. So Jesus gives us this promise and, and, and says, I will be with you just as the Father is with him um, and he will dwell within us. And then, <clears throat> oh shoot, I don't, I don't have the whole reference here. <laughs> and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to, to with, be with you for, forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I think that's from that same, same passage in John um, chapter 17. What a promise, though, to, to say, I will, I will um, not leave you as orphan, orphans. I will come to you. That's kind of my second point is God's promise. Um, I promise. And, and sometimes we hear of God's promises to us, and we have doubts. Um, we live in a world that makes us doubt. Uh, radio commercials, I, I don't have TV, I don't watch TV, but, but I listen to the radio sometimes in my shop, and, and uh, you hear these uh, plumbing and, and roofing commercials, and every one of them kind of says the same thing. They make the same promises, and you think, well, hmm, I don't know. Is that really true? Are they all that good? Maybe not. I don't know. And it makes us doubt. We say, well, prove it, prove it. And then we still may not believe their claim. God re- responds to our doubts when he repeats, do not be afraid, because he has given us good reason not to be afraid. Our king invites us to voice our doubts to him. When we do, he reminds us in his word of his public legal oath that is witnessed by others. He uses the strongest language possible to assure us of his truthfulness and reliability. <clears throat> When Jesus spoke things that would not be well received by the Jews, he began by saying, truly. In some cases, he repeats it twice for emphasis when he says, truly, truly. And as you know, when when something is repeated in Scripture, it's for emphasis. It it means that pay attention to this because it's important. This is in contrast to false promises, inaccurate prophecies, and empty words. Jesus is saying, what I am telling you is true. I can be trusted. Yes, believe in me because I am the truth. That's, that's a really important thing to remember and understand. We know that he's truth, and we can trust everything he says to us in his word. He's inviting careful legal scrutiny of his words. He backs it up, as we saw last week when he reads from Isaiah, and, and, and he tells them, you, re- you hear the words of this prophecy, I am the fulfillment of this prophecy, which, of course, made them pretty angry. You know, they wanted to. They wanted to kill him. Um, <clears throat> what we've been describing is the covenantal relationship of the people of God and what they have with Him. 
Hebrews uh, chapter 6 says something about that. So if you want to turn there, Hebrews 6, uh, we're going to look at verse uh, 16 through 18 of Hebrews 6. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So there's that covenant that says, you can trust me because I've sworn on myself. And there's nothing greater to swear to. So that's, now we see some early covenants in, in the Bible. Uh, we can start with Noah, and he's the first to witness um, grace in the promises of God. And Genesis 6, verse 18, and we'll also look at Genesis 9 a little later here, but Genesis six eighteen, <clears throat> where God says, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wife with you. <clears throat> um, covenants usually uh, are usually between two equals, and each side benefits in some way from it. But God doesn't benefit in any way since there's nothing he needs that we can give him. Well, now, when the floodwaters abated in Genesis 9, God made another covenant. This is kind of a long passage, but I want to read it. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 9, beginning at verse 9. Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and in every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set a bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. What do you think of when you see the rainbow? Do you, do you think of the hopefulness of the gospel? It's a good thing, you know. And I, I think from the time we were children, we, we see that rainbow and we think, wow, that's really cool. But I don't know if we ever connect it totally with <clears throat> um, God's grace to us in that covenant that he made that it's a promise that says, I'm never going to bring a flood to the earth again. I'm never going to destroy all mankind and all, all, the, all the things there. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually do something different. And uh, I'm going to give you um, grace. <clears throat> then God made an oath with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, <clears throat> 2 and 3, that he would make Abraham into a great nation. 
And later in Genesis 15, he'd pass us between the pieces with a, uh, of the animals, the sacrifices, with a smoking firepot and a flaming torch. He swore on himself because there was no one greater than himself that he would, um, that he would give a land to Abraham's offspring. Then in Genesis 17, he promises a child and renames Abram and Sarai. And those are daily reminders to them of his covenant, that he's going to keep that covenant and make them a great nation. <clears throat> Hebrews 7.22 says, This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. He's the high priest who makes the final sacrifice of himself for the people of God. The nation promised all the way back in Genesis. <clears throat> Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one. I'm going to read a few verses there, so if you'd like to turn there. We talked about the covenants so far, and then Jesus, um, who is the high priest and <clears throat> the guarantor of a better covenant. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-one kind of talks about that. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them out uh, by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant <clears throat> that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I, will, for I will forgive their iniquity. I, know I will remember their sin no more. <clears throat> this is the covenant of peace that he secured by his own death. This is the promise he made when he, when he forgave our sins. Any questions or thoughts? I'm, I'm moving rapidly along here. I'm rattling and I should, I should ask questions and listen a little more. What are your thoughts about peace? <clears throat> Anything come to mind? Hey, yes. That's next week's topic. Because oh, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> that's a really big question. Y- yeah. Uh, um, Maybe this week, think about the word shalom. I think we all know what it is, or we've all heard it. Um, But there's a lot in that word, and I'm going to unpack that really totally next week to talk about what peace really is. Uh, Yeah, um, so, yeah, hold that thought. Anybody else?
Yeah. <clears throat> and sometimes we got to desperately hang on to that. That anchor will, will hold us secure through those times when, when we feel overwhelmed and overcome by it. And boy, there are things that happen in life that are just overwhelming. They can be terrifying, um, not just fearful, terrifying. But, but um, the promises of God's word are so rich and so good that we needn't, we needn't dwell on those fears, but just hang on to that anchor because it's there for us. Yeah, good. Thank you. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 1 verse 20. <clears throat> um, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why through him, it, it is through him we, that we utter our amen to God for his glory. <clears throat> that we find our yes in him. You know what? When we, we look for answers in prayer and and we don't get specifically what we ask for, maybe we get something different or maybe we get a no. Our yes is him, right? So we trust in him. We know we're confident that <clears throat> the answer we've, we've received is f- the best answer for us. And, and that's hard to, hard to grasp when we're in the middle, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> of a trial. And so <clears throat> um, we kind of have to keep pulling ourselves back to that, that anchor that Gary referred to there uh, from Hebrews that says we have that yes in him and we can, we can trust that God, God has our best interests in mind. Hebrews 8.12 <clears throat> says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Um, you know, we talked a bit last week about that, where <clears throat> we sometimes feel like, how could God forgive the sins that I commit? I, I'm such a wretched sinner, you know, like Paul. Uh, the, the good that I want to do, I don't do, and the, and the things I don't want to do, that's the things I do. There's no hope for me, and yet there is. Okay, so point number three, we're going to talk about prayer. <clears throat> We don't pray like we should. <laughs> I know that's a weakness for me. Um, it's because we want to handle things ourselves instead of crying out to God. And sometimes it's because we are busy. Uh, and, but if you think you're too busy, think about uh, Martin Luther, who said, I am too busy not to pray. <clears throat> I know Pastor Brett, in, in the session we talked about that uh, last session meeting, we are too busy not to pray. We really need those times of prayer I feel so much more enriched when I've when I've given the time to pray, and um, but you know it's not natural for us. Uh, just like the Israelites, we'd, I'd rather complain and grumble than than uh, and, and feel sorry for myself than and then to call out to God. But we must remember that God is seeking a relationship with us, and we when we suffer, He wants us to call out to Him as a reminder of this. Let's look at, uh, at an Exodus account in chapter 17 of Exodus. <clears throat> Exodus 17, begin at verse 1. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the command of the Lord and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted for water, and the people grumbled against Moses 
and said, Why did you bring us out of the land of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So who are they calling out to? Well, they're grumbling at Moses. Um, and Moses says, Why do you quarrel with me? You are grumbling at God. And that kind of twists your mind a little bit to think, well, if I'm complaining, and I'm not really complaining at God, well, then that's not really the same thing, right? But it is. When we grumble and complain, we're we're looking for help somewhere else besides help from God. God is the only one who can answer our troubles and our and our and our strains. Um, <clears throat> there are many times when this sort of thing happened with the children of Israel. Um, even after they reached the promised land that God sent his prophets to tell them to turn to him instead of grumbling about their situation. Um, Hosea has an interesting verse. Hosea chapter 7, verse 14. And this is after they've been in the promised land for some time. And there's always this pattern where they they wander off and then they complain because they're in trouble. And, and so Hosea 7... 14 says, They do not cry to me from the heart, but they wail upon their beds for grain and wine. They gash themselves. They rebel against me. (laughs) Boy, I I resemble that remark a lot. So why do we pray? Because God is mighty to deliver, uh, just as he showed when he brought Israel out of Egypt. Israel never seemed to get it. We are to humble ourselves before God by acknowledging his kingship and his sovereign power. That's easy to say and yet so hard to do. We must trust him in all things as our deliverer. We pray and wait for him. We are told to cast our anxieties on him that he will carry our load for us. First Peter chapter 5, I want to turn there. Chapter 5 beginning at verse 6. Peter 5, beginning at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The idea is that we're carrying burdens we were never intended to carry. We are to put our burdens on Christ, who came to serve rather than to be served. Peter wants us to be new people who will call on the Lord. Um, He was saying to this people who who he was talking to, who were undergoing tremendous persecution, even martyrdom, and he was telling them, put those burdens on the Lord and trust him for the answer. And, you know, we don't do that easily. We, we, We really want to go it alone, but we must do that in God's strength because he knows he cares. We know he cares. Matthew 6:26 which we we've, we've kind of looked at several times through here it's a part of the sermon on the mount uh, a parable there Jesus says look at the birds of the air they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not of more value than they God doesn't leave us to figure out um how to pray on our own but he tells us how to pray He gives us a template in the Lord's Prayer, which we studied um, a a, a bit back as we finished up the Heidelberg Catechism, talking about the Lord's Prayer. Um, 
And, and so that pattern of prayer is very helpful. It, it, it explains to us how to approach, approach God correctly and, and with, in the right way to give us what we need. Now, we also learned that a year or so ago, we, we did a study um, during the week here uh, on the prayers of Paul, which was very helpful. And uh, if I, I, prayer is such a big topic, and I know we've kind of covered it already with the Lord's Prayer and the Heidelberg Catechism. But if you're interested, that, that's a helpful study. Uh, it's, it's a book called um, Praying with Paul. It's by D.A. Carson. And if you're interested, I can give you the title for that later. Well, let's look at a couple of examples just briefly. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Ephesians 1, begin verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. <clears throat> I, um, I know that in our gathering together, we are an encouragement to each other. And it is something to, to think about, to never cease giving thanks for, for each other, remembering each other in our prayers before God. Um, not just the, the times when we have those prayer requests about situations that we're going through, but I think just in thankfulness for each other and uh, the encouragement of seeing faith and, and um, lives lived before the Lord in this church. It's a wonderful thing. Um, flip over a couple pages to Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> we'll begin at verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family on heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend all with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's interesting when Paul is talking about this, you know, we would expect him to say, you know, you, you, you bring your request before God and he'll give you your answer, or he may grant your requests. No, he says he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being. Um, so, again, we think about that as... Here, God's trying to establish a relationship with us. And he's, he's not saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer your prayers the way you're asking for them. He's saying, I want to build a relationship with you, and I want it to be strengthened um, with power <clears throat> through his spirit in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It's such a good verse to remember when we're struggling. And we pray that, if we pray that verse, I think we will be so much helped in the things that we, that we struggle with. Um, in Philippians chapter 4, uh, Paul is, is uh, chapter 4, verse 4. We'll, we'll start with that. He's, he's contrasting the grumbling of the Israelites in maybe our own grumbling at times, with 
maybe a better way to pray. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And, you know, we've, we've read that earlier on in this lesson, but um, there are some concepts there that are very helpful. Rejoice in the Lord. Be reasonable. Um, the Lord's at hand. Something to remember there. Don't be anxious about anything, um, but bring your, your anxiousness to God by prayer and supplication. And thanksgiving. It's hard to think of being thankful when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a struggle. But that's kind of what Paul's saying here. When you're struggling, you know, rejoice and then bring those supplications to God with thankfulness. Um, and that's, that's a, a very great promise. Um, so if you find yourself distracted when you're trying to pray, it, it, sometimes it helps to pray out loud with someone else. Pray using a journal to write things down. There are some good things that you can do to help yourself be better at prayer. And uh, set aside a time so that you can concentrate and pray effectively. Well, how do we deal with the worst of our life, the worst things of life? Um, let's turn to uh, Psalm 46. We're going to spend a little time there and move around some other places as well. But Psalm 34, um, 46, excuse me. Psalm 46. I'm going to read um, kind of pieces through this. We'll start with verse 1 through 3 there. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. I uh, couldn't help but think about the, the whole discussion about climate change and, you know, the world's all going to come to an end because we're, you know, we've, yeah, all that stuff. But I don't think that's really as pertinent here is just understanding that God is our refuge. Therefore, we will not fear. Uh, he's present in our troubles um, and in our natural disasters as well. Hurricanes, earthquakes, tsunamis, uh, they could all destroy our world. Climate change, that could do that too, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say. But we will not fear because we can see that God is our refuge and strength. Um, the psalmist is demonstrating radical trust in God. And, and that's an example for us as well. When the fears of the things that we see going on around us seem overwhelming, it's, it's a good time to, to say, well, we won't fear because God is our refuge and strength. Um, and we can have that trust because the Spirit of God dwells in our hearts. That's very important to remember. Um, trust the Spirit's leading as you, as you pray and think about the things that you're encountering. Sometimes the trials that we um, come across are unbearably hard and we feel helpless and alone in our struggles. But we never are. We are never helpless and we're never alone because we have God as our strength and our help and he is with us through all of our struggles. The one who says truly, truly can be trusted. 
Call out, and he will be found when you need him. We will all need that help from our God. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, with which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope, is, our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Um, boy, Paul says a lot of words about comfort in there, and, and it, it's good for us to pay attention to those and, and seek to be comforted in God's word. When we endure all kinds of trials and, and all kinds of things that would make us grieve, and, and, um, and they, we will still grieve, but we have the comfort of the gospel to fall back on. Let's read on in chapter uh, 46 of the Psalms, uh, starting verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Creation is no match for the creator. There's nothing in creation that is outside of his control. He is sovereign over all things. And, you know, it's really helpful, I think, to fall back on that. Every time we hear words that are spoken about um, the difficulties of life and the things we're going through, whether it's politics or the things in nature, we don't have to worry because God is sovereign over those things. Um, the, the depth of understanding that is really, really important because when we completely understand the sovereignty and holiness of God, um, it really reinforces the idea that we don't have anything to fear. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Just a few more verses to read. We're going to actually read chapter 4, verse 16 through chapter 5, verse 1. We do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that, that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's a, that's a really good verse to think about and comp- contemplate too. Our, our, our comfort is, um, is there. We don't lose heart because we know, we know that God has given us all that we need. We have a promise um, of a heavenly home, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So how can we live secure? Uh, Colossians 3.1 says, Then 
you have been raised, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the, on the earth. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. And so as we deal with the, the difficulties of life, I think that's a good verse to remember, to point us to that thought that um, we think about the things that are above and, and God will take care of all the other things that trouble us. God comes to his people at the break of day, the battles where the battles are fought, and that's true for us as well. So begin your day in prayer with God, laying before him all the things that you are troubled by, or even praying that God would help you deal with the things that could come that day that you don't even know about yet. Um, thoughts, questions, comments? My thought is that it's it's uh, because my eyes aren't in the right place. When I struggle to believe, it's because I'm not reminding myself constantly of what it is that I believe in. Um, I, I don't know if that answers your question. Um, it, it just seems like our focus has to be on the Word of God, what He promises us, what what He tells us all the time about not being afraid, um, and. Uh, why we're not to be afraid because he's with us. And if I forget those times, that's when I struggle to believe. Yeah. I, did that answer kind of? Yeah. Anybody else? <clears throat> Eternal, yeah, that's that. That was kind of that verse that was talking about the eternal weight of glory. That that you know the eternal things that we get to think about instead. Yeah, good reminders there. Thank you. It's easier for us to walk by sight. Than yeah. To walk by faith. Yeah, that's for sure. And that's what Christ asks us to do: is trust And that maybe kind of answers a little bit Brett's question as well, because it's what I see here, not what I see there. And and yeah. That's that's a good point. <clears throat> so next week, um, I will try to remember to print off the handout. <laughs> and but next week we're going to talk about shalom and how we can be peacemakers. And then we're going to conclude with a thought about um, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, even forever. And so. Um, I won't give you any more than that. So there's a lot of a lot of things we can think about next week. But so that'll be the end of our study on on fear. Uh, there's a lot more to talk about about fear. Um, I think that it's important to say that if if you all struggle with some fear that's really difficult for you, um, talk to one of the elders uh, or the or the pastors, and uh, we'd be glad to help you through that. With that, let's close in prayer. <clears throat> God, we are so thankful uh, for your word, for what it gives us, 
and how it helps us through the times that we struggle, the, the, the things that are difficult for us. Though we don't sometimes get the answer we want, we get the answer we need. And, and we know that you hear us. We know that you take care of us and you provide for us in everything that, it, that comes our way. Thank you for the promises that are in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.